Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me at box13 at greatdetectives.net. Today's program is brought to you by our Patreon supporters who support the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. This is our Thanksgiving program, and I'm bringing one that I did on the war, but I think it is relevant to um, our time and even though it was made 75 years ago. Uh, for many, this has been a very difficult year, full of stress, violence, terrorist attacks, disappointments, and all sorts of craziness. And if it's been that type of year, Thanksgiving can be a challenging time. And that's what I like about this uh, story. It was set in 1941, a year in which America had been gearing up for war as uh, production continued. Across the world, people were starving as the war had already begun throughout Europe and the Pacific. And there were so many tragedies. And this really formed the basis or the under... Uh, tone for this uh, production. And so, even though it was made 75 years ago, I think Psalm for a Dark Year has uh, some great relevance to our time. Now, we turn to the Columbia Workshop with the original air date of November 9th, 1941, and Psalm for a Dark Year. presents program number 26 of 26 by Corwin. Psalm for a Dark Year. An ode of thanksgiving written and directed by Norman Corwin with an original musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. Sit round our votive table 
and give thanks where thanks are due. We shall give thanks tonight for song and bread and such a thing as love and dogged hope and for the guarantee of morning somewhere at some season. You must bring with you to the feast an offering. It can be little, one good grape, a grain of cinnamon, a sentiment, three bars of an old folk song, half a notion, a living thing that's glad of living, be it a mosquito fresh from lava or a floating spore. Sit where you will. There are no place cards here and no priority. The good right hand of fellowship is at your left and at your right perhaps an antique pharaoh or a medieval saint, a poet temporarily run out of couplets, or a plumber just arrived from the installing of a sink. Please note there is no head to this round table. Instead, an empty chair reserved for any perfect man, and uh, therefore fated to be empty. First now, the breaking of the bread. Who will say grace? St. Paul, will you kindly? He that eateth, eateth unto the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. There will be music such as this throughout, for song is celebration, whether it is tuned to joy or woe or to the passions in between. We who are thankful give up thanks for music and the instruments of music and the makers of the instruments of music. Yea, the sistrum and the dulcimer, the psaltery, the tabor, the cithara, the sackput and the looping horns. Listen to the big and buxom bulls. The gentle fiddles gambling across the staves. The piquant flute. The pastoral and plaintive oboe, singing of nostalgias we must always know. And the celeste, to which the planetoids prefer to dance. Also, that wondrous instrument which can speak words and give them meaning, inflect them, playing on the mind, the spirit bowstring. The human voice, the various and sweet and pungent human voice. Now seraphim, now Satan. Oh, this is a hearty congregation. Great old Greeks and grocer's clerks and young maids from Carolina looking for careers in New York City, and a shipping clerk from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, two emperors of China, and a mild professor from Ohio, and a girl named Rhoda with rheumatic fever, farmhands, and a locomotive engineer, and sailormen, and actors' agents, and a lissom tightrope walker thankful for a solid rope beneath his feet. Each is thankful in his fashion and his measure. I, for the earth and weathers, 
being a farmer, for the sun, which is good, and the rain, which is good, and for the rising before dawn, and the frosty air, and the placid animals, to whom I am the god of feed, the giver of the corn and grain. And I am thankful for the day, which is good, and the night, which is good, and for the hard one sleeping, which is also good. And I am thankful for the plow in my hand, and the tilling of the land in fall, for crops to be sown in winter, and the tilling of the land in spring, for the Indian corn of summer. I am not thankful for potato bugs or the maize smut, but am for the well-framed orchards and the grafted trees and the gathered harvest. I am thankful for the day which is good. I am thankful for the night which is good. And I am thankful for the sun. I am thankful for the for the bay at low tide. I'm an eel fisher and a clam fisher. For the flats at low tide, I guess, and the salty smell. For my clam rake and spade, I guess, and the spear I use to snag eels with. And the bellboy off by the shoals. And then the seagulls which circle overhead and Glide along the beach all day, looking for clams, too. Like me. And I like to think sometimes of the thin rim of dried salt on the spit of sand where the last wave breaks when the tide's going out. And of the bright days when the water is blue. And the gray days when the water is gray. I'm thankful to God for clams and eels and low tide, I guess. I am thankful to God for clams and eels. I am thankful to God for clams and eels and the low tide. I, being a mother several times over, am thankful for the love of it and the pain of it. For the growth up from the crib and the teething and all the trouble and the coming out of trouble. For the cured abscess of the ear which Emmy had, getting better the way it did after we were so worried and sat up all night for two nights and didn't get a wink of sleep. Yes, and for Charles getting over being tongue-tied and Joe, the wild boy, getting married to such a fine girl as Louise and settling down. And for my husband, Donald, to have lived to see his eldest daughter, Hannah, married and bringing up a nice family. And for the letters that the children write me whenever they can. And the cards they send me on Mother's Day. And for the radio when it gets lonely. Especially in the wintertime when all the summer folk have gone away. 
For all these things and many others, I am thankful. What of the season? Shall we not say thanks for seasons and the zones between them when they are neither here nor there but surely coming? For the time in March when the crocus goes to town and the robin makes reconnaissance and the icicle has given orders to relax. For the time in June when the laziest bud, the last to leaf, says, all right, I am ready. Summer may begin. Bring on the south wind, the cicadas, and the bees that I've heard so much about. Oh, surely, sure. Let this be celebrated in our best tradition by a song. By not too young a song, since spring and summer are an ancient team. A song, let's say, of summer's coming in. It must be old, but fresh, familiar, yet a little different each time met with as summertime herself. Summer is a coming in, lover is a coming in. Grow its seed and blow its feet and spring and put a new a new. Sing for a girl. You can do it, thank you, then for cast a hoe, it's come a hoe, it's full of crowds, it's fluffy crowds, it's very sing for girl. Now, may I rise to thank the master painter of the year? Well, who's that? October. No louvre in the world is big enough to hold his landscapes. He is exhibited in every tinctured leaf and hung in every meadow. Have you seen his skyscapes? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, indeed. They say he mixes pigments out of elemental stuffs and ranges far afield. Did you know his greens come from a special patch of the Aegean? His reds from Yuma in the eyes of Bengal tigers and the powdered beaks of tropical toucans? His oranges are skimmed, they say, from surfaces of rising moons. Well, where do his tints of hazel come from? Well, hazelnuts. His plum colors? From plums. His fawn from fawns? Precisely. Is he not a marvel then, October? Yes, he is. Not worth a canticle? Oh, worth several. Here is one for now. If you really want to know about October,
Come, come. This is mockery, this festive hour. A mockery? How now? This breaking bread while famine grins in every land. This music while the whistling bomb sets pitch for all the sharp-tuned instruments of death. This talk of landscapes when the color of the earth is red and growing redder, and you know it. Are you proposing thanks? Yes, we are. Why, if Satan himself was sitting here among us, he could reasonably proffer thanks to all of our kind for many favors done him in continuing. His horsemen thunder down the ways. His legions multiply like festering bacteria. How can our thanksgivings be unaffected knowing this? Look, no empire built of darkness and disease of soul shall give us pause. The interlocking fury of free men will, like a blinding and a sterilizing shaft of light, nullify such decay. What comes of festering bacteria in the sunlight? It doesn't matter. While we speak, new fallen angels plummet from the skies like a malignant hail. The air is a shriek with misery. Yea, the earth is fevered. Pity and mercy both are exiled to a foreign star. And charity's aghast to see a million of our brothers writhing in the puddle of their blood. Has there ever been a tempest time did not outride? The truth that was mixed in with the molten ores when still our smoking planet sought a place among the systems. That truth awaits extraction like a rare but mighty radium deep in the bowels of the earth. Those who have held it shining in their hands never will be countervailed. Never countervailed. Though crucifixion test it and armies of defenders stagger backward through the night... Once we understand, no weapon in the hand of any host of any hell can strike asunder man from man. Brothers are not for long divisible. Let us be thankful now for this. verify this thing. I, who have come a long distance to this table and must go far hence, I verify this thing, that brotherhood is not so wild a dream as those who profit by postponing it pretend. It cannot be that common kindness and a working plan are more bizarre imaginings than that a man should squeeze the world into a room and speak across it casually and be heard. I am a wanderer. Was born in exile as my father was, and as my children will be. I'm of a race which lives in every clime and under every flag except its own. I verify this thing. Let now the ram's horn of my father's tribe resound a note of thankfulness for perseverance and for law, for strength out of adversity and order out of chaos. 
Listen to it. There's the shrill wind blowing down the wrinkled plains of China through the selfsame wildernesses. Past the hoary head of Sinai blows the melancholy shofar. Sounds the shofar down the ages. Egypt, Jericho and Persia, Greece and Rome and the dispersion, pogrom, ghetto, inquisition, past the rise and fall of empires, past the ebb and flow of eras, through the gauntlet of affliction, index inhumanitarum, pox and physis, plague and cannon, still above the blare of trumpets, still above the brass of hatred, blows the horn of benediction. Men have listened. Men have listened. They will listen yet tomorrow for the horn of benediction. For the horn of benediction. May I speak for a moment? having but a moment left to speak in. I, too, am listening for a horn to blow, one which will call me from this time and place to another time and place. In this, my 92nd year, my eyes grown dim, my hearing poor, Sleeping most of the time, the foothills of sleep before I reach the mountains. I am thankful for still clear memories, both big and little, happy and sorrowful. Of the dress I wore at Lincoln's second inaugural ball, of meeting Edward on a sleigh ride one December night when the moon was new and Mount Toby lay frozen under stars that seemed so low you could almost touch them. Of the morning Ralph was born, of how little Edwina died of the diphtheria. Of all the other memories, the many, many other things too full to hint at, too many to contain. I, I joke with my grandchildren when they come to see me now. I tell them I'm like a minute man, ready to go at a moment's notice. Pardon my appearance, good friends all. I am but lately risen from the grave. One of a hundred who were stood one morning, one bright morning, between a dozen muzzles and a wall. Tonight it rains where we were lowered in the ground. A rain of mid-November falling cold upon the countryside. 
spreading its sorrows over, cautioning the earth that winter is coming, winter in the bone and winter in the flesh and winter on the clean-swept hearthstone. We who are so early quit of this sweet place, young and unready for the quiet, loving the tug of the wind and the swaying grass, the pillowing breasts of our beloved, and the laughter of our children, loving the look of the day in the east, but seeing it no more, turned, turned away and face to face with night, we who are solemn with dust upon our lips, whisper now our thankfulness in chorus that we have been noted, that we shall not be forgotten, that good men, good understanding men, have noted that we shall not be forgotten. For this, for this, for this much thanks. Sons of men, daughters of the mingled lovers of the many tribes who make us what we are, brothers, sisters by the millions, sitting with us at this table, encircled round us through the far wide-spreading states. What year this is, we shall not soon forget. Remark it, each of you belonging to it, this year shall skulk among the blackest annals ever. Pitied, wondered on, and sung about as long as our posterity looks back to see the how and why of what has gone before. None of us makes pretense to himself of tranquil temper. There are no barefoot pleasures in these hobnailed times. The world is burning. It is burning. Flame is never subtle in its ways. It has a pattern all can recognize. We smell the smoke and feel the scorching air and see the embers snatched up by the winds and blown this way and that. But we are thankful, thankful in this graceless year for the strong joy of the challenge, for defiance in the nostril and the weapon in the hand. Shall we despair who suckled freedom on the brew of vintages of wrath? Shall we be thankless for the passions stirring in our blood? The love of country, of each spine of cactus and each particle of mist? Shall we be thankless for the way we walk? Fearlessly, not stealing glances backward. For the way we talk? For scorn and laughter and the clenching of the fist? Come, come Americans, come now and praise the broken bread together and the fiddle and the tilling of the land. The bellboy by the shoals and Joe, the wild boy, getting married to Louise. Praise now October and the song of songs together. Praise the men who never shall forget. The steel mills working through the night. The rifle factory, the weapon in the hand. Arise now and give thanks where thanks are due. Thank you.
have been listening to Psalm for a Dark Year, a Thanksgiving ode written, directed, and produced by Norman Corwin as program number 26 in the Columbia Workshop special cycle, 26 by Corwin. The musical score was composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. The principal narration was done by Mr. Corwin. Others in the cast were Martin Gable, Parker Fenley, Anne Boley, Frank Lovejoy, Martin Wolfson, Hester Sundergaard, Sidney Smith, Jean Allen, Ian Martin, and Charles Carroll. In closing 26 by Corwin, we present Davidson Taylor, who resumes next week as producer of the Columbia Workshop. Tonight we have heard the last broadcast in what has been, even for the Columbia Workshop, a most unusual series. 26 shows written, directed, and produced by one man. The Columbia Network is proud not only of 26 by Corwin, but also of other such landmarks in radio drama, as seems radio's here to stay, they fly through the air, and the plot to overthrow Christmas, all by Corwin. Most of us remember when Norman Corwin's name was new to the workshop. It is one of the workshop's jobs to find new talents and give them proper hearings. During the coming weeks, we shall hear the work of a number of new writers, and we are excited, frankly, about the quality and variety of their scripts. We have in store for you a regional show, a satire, a farce, a document, a fantasy, an opera, and a melodrama which belong in workshop company. Every Sunday at this time, we invite you to share the pleasures of discovery with us. We'll try to go on doing what the workshop has attempted ever since the first broadcast on July 18, 1936. We'll try to bring you every week something you could have heard nowhere else in radio. Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. What I like about this is that it manages both to be so festive, but so frankly honest about the uh, situation of the world. And Frank Lovejoy, who those of you who listen to the Great Detectives program have heard quite a bit on Nightbeat, does this uh, superb job as the voice of those who are saying, wait a second... Uh, getting all excited and trying to find things to be thankful about when the world is falling apart. Isn't that just a mockery? And the story really does answer no. And perhaps it's in being thankful for the goodness that we've experienced before that we can ultimately find the strength to carry on. And listener, if you thought you heard Orson Welles in that play, you're not alone. I could have sworn I heard him as well. However, since he wasn't in the credits, we'll assume that was a pretty uh, 
good job by another member of the cast. It's 1941, and Orson Welles wasn't making uncredited appearances. He was one of the biggest stars in radio and the country in general. At any rate, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And no matter what this year has brought you, I hope you find renewed hope for the future. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and we'll be back around Christmas time with... Uh, three episodes, which I'm sure will be sure to delight you. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.